At ACT Labs, we are fortunate to have customers from many of the most innovative chemical and pharmaceutical companies in the world. It is always thought-provoking to see what these folks are working on and how our software helps them in their research. One of the ways we showcase this incredible work is our annual virtual symposium. This event includes presentations from scientists who are working on structure characterization, method development, analytical data management, and more. Today, we're going to be discussing some of the insights from this year's symposium, which focus on the theme of driving efficiency with Spectrus. Hi, I'm Bally. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jesse. We're the hosts of The Analytical Wavelength, a podcast about chemistry and chemical data. In this episode, we will share previews and highlights on the topics that were covered. If you want to watch the full presentations, they're all available on our website. We kicked off the virtual symposium with a presentation from our collaborators over at Merck KGAA, or Millipore Sigma, as it is known in the U.S. and Canada. The presenter, Coralie Leonard, is a digital business model developer in analytical chemistry with a strong background in reference materials and analysis standardization. She's now the project lead for their digital reference material platform, Chemist Twin. What's a digital reference material? It's essentially certified analytical data, in this case NMR, of a reference material that can be used for comparative structure verification and eventually quantitation. So how do they create them? In her presentation, Coralie goes into more detail about how they prepare them and then explains how Chemist Twin leverages NMR Workbook's structure verification technology to enable chemists to qualitatively verify their structures in one third of the time. Starting point at Merck, we have a wide library of physical reference material, over 25,000 um, physical product that we offer in the area of reference material. From this library, we are taking experimental NMR spectra in our own facility. These are mostly 600 megahertz spectra. Then we take the, this known structure together with our experimental spectra, and we input them into NMR Workbook Suite. NMR Workbook Suite will predict the spectra based on the molecular structure, and then we will correct that prediction manually and optimize it once we have a perfect match between the prediction and the reality. Then we do a quality control, a quality assurance release of the data, so it gets verified by an additional two people. And once it's released, we are calling this a digital reference material. Finally, when you as a customer go on to ChemistWin, you will upload your own spectra. You will select your digital reference material. And here, a customized version of NMR workbook will do the comparison between your sample and the digital reference material data. In this case, ACT Lab will only need to predict the difference that can be accounted for your experimental setting, if you have a different solvent and if you have a different um, magnetic field. But it will, it will no longer do a prediction on the molecular structure. This has already been corrected by the exact experimental spectra. If you have a good fit between the two, then you get uh, a positive interpretation and a positive match of your sample with the selected DRM. If not, then you receive an answer that this might not be a good match or is even a complete zero match. By reducing the need for physical reference material, that would make these structure verification workflows more environmentally sustainable as well. 
Absolutely. Speaking of sustainability, the next presentation was by Matt Osborne from AstraZeneca. Matt has extensive experience in discovery, pharmaceutical sciences, and product development. He provides an overview of sustainability goals for labs that want to be greener. As we all know, green chemistry is a hot topic with many organizations constantly striving to become more sustainable. Yes, exactly. In his presentation, Matt discusses taking a structured approach to method development to reduce the amount of experimentation and promote sustainability in method development through some easy wins. Everyone likes easy wins. What are some of Matt's suggestions? So these are some of the key uh, easy wins that we can achieve as analytical sciences when the, we're trying to deliver um, uh, sort of our method development strategies. So this is uh, about driving uh, the work that we do and get into the right first time mentality so that we're not wastefully repeating experiments that have failed for uh, reasons that could have been otherwise been preventable. And where we are seeing a trend of uh, of uh, analysis not being right first time, have we got structured problem solving measures in place to really allow us to understand what the root cause of that potential problem might be? And are we setting clear expect, uh, expectations on our scientists and our users of instruments about how they look after the instruments, how they're trained to use them so that they understand the instruments uh, well enough so that they can do basic troubleshooting, but not necessarily be super engineers in, in being able to fix everything. And then once we can start to you know, treat our instruments with care, we can look after them properly, we know what they're doing, can we start to reduce the number of physical experiments that we actually need to do to get that end result and, and, and start to use the data that we're generating on a regular basis in more of a, uh, an in silico or in more of a, uh, a way that allows us to model and simulate chromatographic separations. He then goes on to share how green chemistry principles and software can be employed to meet these goals and how using physical chemical property prediction tools in our perceptive software, as well as method simulation tools in LC simulator allow for more efficient method development. This was touched on by the poll during the presentation, which asked how much time and or effort is saved using an in silico versus purely experimental approach to method development. Matt addresses this point as well. Here is what he had to say. And I saw the results from the, the poll that was just up on the screen initially. Uh, and we've sort of uh, done work in-house and shown that actually by using modeling and simulation, as opposed to doing lots and lots of experiments, we can reduce the need for practical experimentation by somewhere in the region of 30 to 50%. Wow, those are big reductions. After Matt's presentation, we had Kaylee Mercer from GSK. She has been working in high-throughput experimentation group for a number of years, focusing on using automation and robotics to optimize and miniaturize reactions. For those who don't know, HDE is an approach to chemistry where you are running many experiments at once. This is great for accelerating your research. For example, Kaylee is using HDE to optimize experimental conditions, sometimes running over 1,500 experiments on a single plate. However, this can lead to challenges in data management. What kind of challenges did she mention? Well, just answering basic questions like, did I make the product I intended or which reaction was most successful can be surprisingly challenging. Uh, when your experimental design and analytical systems are disconnected, it can lead to transcription errors and waste of time managing files. 
Kaylee spoke about how one of our software tools, Catalyst CGD, helps to manage this challenge. So at GSK, we're using Catalyst D2D um, to capture our high throughput experiments at the moment. So what can, this, what can Catalyst D2D do to assist us in HTE design and execution? So GSK and ACD Labs uh, began a partnership which started in 2016. And in 2019, um, Catalyst D2D was launched. Um, I have personally been using Catalyst since around 2019. And it encompasses it has the ability to encompass the entire HTE workflow within a single software application, which is really powerful for this uh, for, for high throughput chemistry. It's able to interface with existing systems that we have at GSK, such as our materials inventory, which is really important um, to be able to track our starter materials. Um, and it also allows for automatic data transfer and processing with our chosen analysis method. To start with, we have our chemists identifying a problem that they would like to solve with HTE. Uh, this could either be reaction optimization or just um, synthesizing multiple compounds all at the same time. They would then define the variables that they would like to test. And at this point, they're able to move into Catalyst um, and use Catalyst for most of the rest of the workflow. So chem chemists can identify the materials used for the experiment within Catalyst. They can then design a plate and create a visualization to make it really easy to see uh, what their plan is in the lab. They can use instructions to physically create stock solutions and reaction plates. The chemist can then complete the screen in the lab and create physical analysis plates. The data from these analysis plates is returned to Catalyst for processing and gives a visualization of data and helps chemists to identify the best conditions. So following having this answer, the chemist can then take, take that information and scale up their reaction or, or do with that information as they wish. She then shared a case study for a particular reaction. Yes, it was really interesting to see how this is used in practice. I would recommend this presentation to anyone who's interested in HTE, uh, but it also uh, reminded me of a podcast episode we did with Neil Fazakurli, who is another member of the GSK team. There'll be a link to that in the, the show notes that you can check out. The final presentation of the first day of the symposium was by Jun Wang from Merck. Jun works in the high throughput purification group and specializes in the purification of small molecules and peptides. In her presentation, she talks about how the HTP group supports discovery chemistry by providing routine and specialized purification and analytical support. The group uses the Spectrus platform for retention modeling and management of their Chrome data from different vendors to create efficiencies in their workflows and leverage knowledge. June discusses the workflow for the HTP group and the challenges they face, particularly in data integrity and management. Like most labs, they have multiple modes and formats of data and have many different vendor instruments and software, making it challenging to share data and perform analytics. To face these challenges, the team has set some goals which they hope to achieve with our Spectrus platform to expand access to their HTP data and the wider chemistry department. June highlights those goals. The goal here is we, we are exploring a new platform to expand the access to the data within HTP and the chemistry department. And we hope we can get automated data flow to minimize the need to manual for manual import. We also hope we can increase our speed to make it higher throughput, like we can get the data analysis and access more automatically. 
and we hope our data is safely protected and located through the whole life cycle. And also, we are looking for some tool to kind of like speed up our workflow, which will make it a higher support. The Spectrus platform is multi-technique and vendor neutral, making it a great fit for June's requirements. Her team can use it for their LCMS and their NMR data and across all four different instrument vendors. Here is what she had to say about implementation of Spectrus within her team. So here I come to the first conclusion about benefits and the future enhancements of Spectrus. The benefits is very obvious. The Spectrus is a new platform to expand access to data within HTTP group or even get access to the whole chemistry department to access all the purification data. And all this data is readily protected and located. And all those automatic automated data flow minimize a lot of manual inputs. And also the speed enhancement is achieved by automatic data analysis and rapid access. Day two of the symposium started with a presentation by Azadine Dabo from GSK. Azadine is part of the method innovation team and his area of interest includes in silico modeling and quality by design method development. In his presentation, Azadine walks through a method development case study from start to final product. He details the steps and decisions made using a combination of his expertise and the method development software Autochrome to accelerate the project and achieve a final robust method. Interestingly, the response to the poll during the presentation showed that the majority of the audience, 65%, said they manually screened their method parameters. What are the benefits of using in silico modeling instead? In addition to being more sustainable and compliant with green chemistry, Azadine highlights key reasons for using in silico modeling. One of the main primary reasons why we do use um, uh, th this uh, in silico modeling, it really enables us to be more efficient uh, our method development, but more importantly, creating shorter, more robust methods, which therefore enables us to be more sustainable uh, going forward. Azadine shows how he uses autochrome to screen various parameters, pH, buffer, column, column temperature, to optimize them with 2D or 3D models, and how he uses in silico modeling to improve the separation between peaks. By modeling various versions of the method, he was able to reduce the runtime and improve resolution, while also minimizing the number of practical experiments conducted. So what that indicated is actually the method is robust has good repeatability um, and what we were able to develop by using the silico modeling software. Our next presenter was Alexei Buyevich, who has over 20 years of experience in the pharmaceutical industry and now leads the NMR group at Merck as a principal scientist. Like many others in the field of natural product structure elucidation, he noticed a disturbing trend of erroneous natural product structures being published in the literature. Historically, when they have later been revised, this is done by total synthesis. The same review is uh, showing that uh, the uh, uh, changing so, so revision of the structure it, when it's when it's the error is has been identified is usually done uh, historically by total synthesis, and that is like a golden standard for the chemists uh, to prove the structure. But total synthesis is a uh, really labor intensive. And uh, it requires the resources, it requires the time, and then it requires uh, the capital investment, which some 
some labs cannot afford to do and the time of course and uh, in pharmaceutical industry the time is everything Alexei offers an alternative to total synthesis, which isn't as time-consuming or labor-intensive. So the solution for the, pro- for the problem of the structured revision of the natural products, which is uh, really creeping in, is that uh, we see that solution is a utilization of the, of the software approaches. Uh, and uh, we think that uh, uh, the combination of the computer-assisted structural sedation the program of structural elucidation program, which is developed by ACD, and the methods, quantum mechanical method as DFT, is the much better and more efficient way of solving that particular problem. He then presents three examples of structures that were revised by total synthesis and shows that this combination of structural elucidator and DFT also arrives at the correct structure in a matter of minutes. He presents this as not only a way to revise erroneous structures currently in the literature, but also to prevent them from being published in the first place. Our next talk, Building a Database Now and for the Future, was presented by Sarah Robinson from Genentech. She leads structure elucidation in compound registration analysis and is involved in several machine learning research projects. Her presentation was about how analytical data management can accelerate your research. One of the comments she made that really struck me was the way that this impacts scientists downstream and not just synthetic chemists. We're really looking at so many different compounds and we might be moving an oxygen around and building out SAR. And later, our downstream colleagues are seeing that as a metabolite from a P450 enzyme or as an oxidation impurity in development when looking at stability of our API. And so having access to dereplicating their data relative to data that's already captured there makes their structure elucidation or metabolite ID much more efficient. And synthetic chemists are always responsible for capturing IP, you know, maybe publishing all that NMR and high-res data in patents or publications and having an ability to pull per project all of that information out in the format that they need um, was a really important way for them to be able to interact with the database as well. So early on, they kind of, working with ACD, we were able to put together sort of these user stories and create an infrastructure and um, scripts and all sorts of different buttons for everyone to access the database. When we were building this out, we had three different teams where everyone was giving their input on how they wanted to interact with it. Um, You know, specifically for chemists, when thinking about patents, like not over-reporting those multiplets is an important feature. Um, For us, the automatic data processing was really important. Um, And for our downstream colleagues in small molecule analytical chemistry working in development, being able to have Marcuse structures that aren't over-assigned, but are very specific to that part of the molecule and localizing um, say this extra oxygen to that area is important. It's really easy to move between this database processor and chem sketch. And I would say my number one favorite thing about the database is that it is so structure centric. And so if I want to say, is there anything similar or do a substructure search on a compound um, within chem sketch, you can specify your database and either do a compound search or an SS or substructure search for a specific region of that molecule to pull everything in your database out and see the raw data associated with it. 
Sarah's talk really reminded me of our conversation with Hans from last month. All the work began with understanding the Genentech team's needs and then building a solution to those needs. Yes, details like how they manage Marcuse structures for DMPK studies or not overreporting multiple reports for patents only comes from working closely with the chemists and understanding their needs. We closed the symposium with Tatiana Dodenko, a principal scientist at Amgen in the lead discovery and characterization group. The group performs structure elucidation of molecules both large and small by NMR, and she talked about their high-throughput NMR workflow for the small molecules. I'm familiar with high-throughput experimentation, but what does that look like for NMR? It can vary a bit depending on what it's being used for, but in Tatiana's case, it consists of the automated sample preparation and data acquisition, storage of the data in a unified database along with their LCMS data, and automated data processing and interpretation, also known as automated structure verification. Well, I know that sample preparation acquisition is a little out of our wheelhouse, but automated processing and storage of NMR and LCMS data sounds like somewhere we could help out. You got it. In her presentation, Tatiana gives us an overview of the instrumentation and data flows and how the different hardware and software components work together to make these high throughput workflows a reality. She highlights that in addition to having their NMR and LCMS data in the same place, they really appreciate that they can also easily retrieve it for human or machine use. With regards to the storage of the of the data which we get into a nice and minimal format, we use unified database solution from the ACD labs. And here is the basic description of it. We actually store all the data obtained uh, during the process that I described, uh, described previously. So it's LCMS and in the MAR, we store it all at the same place. This, uh, uh, this data is accessible to everyone and uh, can be actually mineable. So um, now let's uh, see how, we, how it is uh, organized uh, practically. The, this is the access uh, uh, to the unified database that we have. So we uh, access it uh, through a uh, browser and uh, we use uh, Citrix for that. This is actually quite, uh, quite convenient because uh, it doesn't uh, actually require uh, fast, a fast computer and you can access it from anywhere. One of the most important features and most uh, useful for us is that uh, everything is at the same place and it's uh, very mineable. So it has a well-developed uh, search. Like here, for example, you can perform a basic search based on the sample ID and uh, using some logical operators. But uh, since it has a lot of metadata, you can also uh, search data using such uh, parameters as uh, NMR probe uh, head number, which uh, which is shown here, and you also can uh, add logical operators and look at the data acquired at some uh, specific uh, time frame, for example. So, what kind of work should they do with high throughput NMR? Good question. She wraps everything up with an example of how they use it for quality controls of compound libraries that they store or buy and provides the results of the automated structure verification for a library of more than 5,000 samples. 
And that should cover what happened at the Driving Efficiency with Spectrus Symposium. Oh, that's all. Um, Seriously, though, this was actually a really incredible event. Uh, Very happy with how things turned out. Thank you so much to all of the presenters who participated and for everybody who helped to make this event possible. As we said at the beginning, you can watch all these presentations on our website. You can also find a link to a page with all the presentations in our show notes. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. The Analytical Wavelength is brought to you by ACD Labs. We create software to help scientists make the most of their analytical data by predicting molecular properties and by organizing and analyzing their experimental results. To learn more, please visit us at www.acdlabs.com.